I think if you're going to get all these cheap guys, you've got to get them when the fixtures look really good or if they've shown some form. And I just feel all these guys, these kind there of people... Is, there is one player, though, that fits both, which is ASM, Alan Saint-Maximin. 6.5, one goal to assist already, only blanked in one game. And Newcastle really has... They have good fixtures, but it actually is more like opponents have good fixtures against them. But <laughs> that said, ASM has been doing well. And yeah, good fixtures coming up. Leeds, next, Watford, Wolves. Okay, Spurs is a three here, but I don't know if they should be a three. Then Palace, one red fixture in Chelsea. But then after that, another run of like three or four, no, six um, fixtures that don't go above three in the FDR rating. So... If you really needed, you know, more money, you needed to go down, I think ASM is the standout um, asset to have at 6.5. Hello everyone and welcome to the FPL Banger Podcast Game Week 6 Preview. My name is Siva and I'm joined by Sam. And Sam, you know, let's not waste any time. Let's get straight into it. Are you premium or formium? <laughs> it's, it's becoming a thing, right? In FPL Twitter. People are too lazy to type three or four premiums. Two-mium hasn't really caught on, but we do have a question here. Let's just get straight into it, right? Joseph Melvin, regular listener. What's your premium going to look like post-game week seven? Is it Trent, Rom, Mo? So Trent, Lukaku, Salah? Or is it going to be Lukaku, Ronaldo, Salah? Or are you going to go without both Trent and Ronaldo? And I think it's good to start off here because this kind of influences everything you do from this point in, including this week's transfer. I mean, I'm just looking at my own team and who I get in this week would affect my ability to own four premiums versus owning three premiums. And that's why I thought it's a good place to start. Why don't you start, Siva? Because um, I don't have Ronaldo, so I think I'm in the minority of FPL owners. I'll talk a bit about that later, but why don't you start first? So you currently have Trent, Salah, and Ronaldo, right? Yeah, I do. And I did already wildcard back in game week four. So I can't rebuild the structure without uh with my wildcard. I've got to do it using freeze. I've and we've always said this on the pod for the last few weeks, and I've always tried to keep an open mind about being able to own four premiums. I I feel like dismissing it out of hand as being imbalanced is too quick because as the weeks progress, we are actually seeing more and more budget options become viable. So we had Conor Gallagher, we had Damare Gray. Last week, uh, Ismail Assar finally got his big haul. At the same time, you are seeing budget mids for whom I would have said four premiums is not really viable. So Jota, Ferran Torres, Mason Greenwood, Mason Mount, all of whom blanked last week and all starting to look like progressively worse options, especially with people like Ferran Torres. You know, we, we talked about this previously. He wasn't nailed and sure enough, he gets rotated for the one fixture you actually want him in, which is Southampton. Similarly, you go down to budget forwards. You've only got Mikel Antonio. Now Patrick Bamford apparently has a knock. Not sure if he makes it for the weekend. Raul Jimenez blanked. Beyond them, there's not really much options. So all the arguments against four premiums was that you can't get all these mid-price forwards and these mid-price midfielders. That's what people kept saying. I'm starting to think that that argument is becoming less and less relevant. It may come up later, but I'm starting to think four premiums are actually going to be viable by the time you get to game week eight. 
what so I does that mean you're you're planning to move to four premiums? You're planning to because I think the original plan for most people was Ronaldo now and then um, game week seven, you know, the fixtures turn, so then Ronaldo to Lukaku, right? That was the original plan. Now it seems people are thinking, you know, Ronaldo's doing so well, let me just keep him in and then bring Lukaku alongside so that makes it four premiums. So is that your plan right now? Yes, and before I get into how it works, maybe just I'll give you the reasoning for it. And the reasoning for it is quite simple. Ronaldo's only been here two weeks, right? And we weren't sure, I mean, we discussed this before he came. Will he adapt to the league? How quickly will he get up to speed? Since Ronaldo has arrived, he is first for shots, 13 shots. Shots on target, he's first, joined with Salah. Shots in the box, he's first. Non-pen XG, he's first. Goals, he's first. Points, he's fourth. He's leading all the stats that you want him to lead. He's only had two games. And to be very honest with you, United haven't looked great in either game. So with just two games, he already looks like such a good asset. And here's another thing. His price has already risen twice. He's up to 12.7. If you do sell him, you're going to have a lot of trouble getting him back. because You're going to lose value when you sell him. So that is why I think you have to be open to the idea of having both Ronaldo and Lukaku. The argument is that the fixtures tighten up. But when I look at Ronaldo's fixtures, the only ones I'm really worried about, I mean, up to game week nine is where I would be concerned, right? Game week nine is where I first start to have an issue. He plays Liverpool. And then in that stretch, he plays Liverpool, Spurs. And I think he plays also uh, Leicester and Man City. So, okay, that's when you start to get concerned. But even then, at the rate he's scoring right now, it's hard to justify getting him out. And then you may have difficulties getting him back in. So that's my feeling about it. Yeah, fair enough, I think. Um, especially with the fixtures, you say, even the so-called hard fixtures, right? You could see him scoring against anyone, maybe except Liverpool and City, who have you know two of the best defences in the league. But against everyone else, you can definitely see him scoring. Leicester's not been playing well. Spurs also, you know, just considered three. I can see your reasoning. And like you said, it seems like the budget options have opened up such that you can build a four premium team, a four premium team. Yeah. And it's also, I'm just, what else would I do with this cash, right? Because all the budget options that, I mean, the mid-priced options that are what I wanted, people like your Bamfords and Antonio's, a lot of them are just dropping off like Cliff. Mason Mount this week subbed at 45 minutes. You know, Jota's minutes are going to run out once Firmino's back. Mason Greenwood, we are going to discuss him later, but his stats are starting to look bad. So what am I saving this money for? I'm not really going to spend all of it in defense, am I? Yeah, and in fact, actually, if you move to a formium um, lineup, the way to do it is to move more money into defense, actually. So if you play like a 4-3-3, you can have a fairly decent team, you know? And um, in fact, defense seems to be the one winning a lot of points now, right? You could go double Chelsea defense, a City defender, something like that. Yeah, that's my thinking. So that's why I want to engineer my transfers towards that because I think you need Chelsea defenders by game week 7 and you need City defenders by game week 8. The City have two, two tough fixtures coming up. And once again, to come back to the mids, I find it difficult to see myself spending money because everybody from basically Rafinha up to Salah in between, there's really not much that you want. Sun has not looked great. Spurs have sort of scraped wins and they look really poor against Chelsea. Also, just Ronaldo's record, right? The thing is, a lot of people try to use last season stats and say that he blanked against big teams. It's really hard to say. He scored 
uh, twice against Barcelona in the Champions League. In the league itself, in Syria, he had 10 starts against top seven sides in Syria. He scored six goals in 10 starts. In a season where Juve finished fourth and everybody recognizes one of Juve's poorest seasons in recent years. Hard to draw direct comparisons, but I just don't see... If we keep saying Salah is fixture-proof, I don't see why Ronaldo wouldn't be equally fixture-proof. Yeah, plus different team and things like that, you know. Juventus, even against big teams, they go in as favourites, right? Uh, United is different. You know, we won't be favourites if we're playing against Liverpool or City, Chelsea, something like that. So then there's the whole counter-attacking side of it, which United excel at. Different teams, so I don't think you can bring in um, those kind of stats from previous seasons. So is that all you have to say on your side? Yeah, I mean, it's all over the place, right? But my, my basic point is this. I want to leave myself the option. And when I look at the fixtures, this is the last point I want to make, is that when you compare Ronaldo's fixtures to Lukaku's fixtures, at least at the start, game week seven, Ronaldo has Everton at home. Lukaku is playing against Southampton. I think Ronaldo could probably match him based on what we've seen this week with Everton and Southampton. The week after, Ronaldo travels to Leicester. Lukaku travels to Brentford. Okay, that's probably when... So game week eight, I think, is when you really need Lukaku. So I don't even think you need to make this decision in game week seven. Yeah. So on my side, I am currently running without Ronaldo. I still think the logic is sound, right? It's not so much, well, Lukaku outperform Ronaldo. It's more, well, Lukaku plus one million invested somewhere else uh, perform more than Ronaldo minus one million. Yeah, right? Yeah. So I think the logic is sound. I still think that Lukaku will be somewhere around Ronaldo. But I am planning to get Ronaldo in. I don't know if I can do it this week though without a major like minus four, minus eight. But I think I'm going to cave in <laughs> and bring in Ronaldo. <laughs> simply because, right, for my mental health. Because <laughs> I'm... I could, no, see, my problem is that I'm a United fan, so I watch every United game. And I can't enjoy it. Because every time Ronaldo gets a good chance, I'm so conflicted inside, you know? I want United to win, but I don't want Ronaldo to score. Take the penalty call last weekend. I was half relieved that Ronaldo didn't get the pen that he should have. But at the same time, when we almost considered a pen, I was like, oh no, we should have just got a pen. I'd rather take a win than F, you know, a win in real life than FBL. But so I'm just it's just not a good place to be as a United fan not having Ronaldo. So I think I might just cave in and go in. And like you said, I'm not gonna switch Ron- I'm not gonna sell Lukaku to go to Ronaldo. I have to bring it uh, bring Ronaldo in alongside, which means that's a four mium um lineup. And yeah, like you said, there are so many cheap options now. I think it's workable, um, especially if you're on a wild card, right? If you want to do it on a wild card, then it's definitely workable. You can have a really strong defense, um, you know, line up with Trent and then two Chelsea defenders, a City defender, something like that. Um, in the midfield, you still can have Salah and then line up with two sort of budget, you know, Sa or Gallagher or Gray or one of those. It's really possible. So I think... Um, Maybe we have to throw out the old rule book that, you know, you got to balance your team. And I think Formia might be the way to go right now. That's interesting. I really didn't think we were going to agree on this. I assumed you would tell me that it's too imbalanced because that seems to be the general convention that everybody is still saying it can't be done, it shouldn't be done. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the problem is in between Rafinha to, to Mane, I guess. No one there is really scoring points. And we're going to talk about the budget mates now. So should we just get into it? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, before that, but basically it seems like because there's no one there, 
you can just go down. The budget options are performing and still have a good team going out. So yeah, it seems we agree on this. Okay, so I, I'm pretty sure we're the, probably the only pod that's reached an agreement on trying to pursue four premiums. So since we've done that, now we've got to explain why. And let's get into the issue of budget mids. And we'll start off with Mason Greenwood, who we're starting to get concerns about, right? So we have AGFPL. Is it time to sell Greenwood? His minutes are being managed. Uh, can free up a viable fourth mid spot. Dan Moon, Jota or Greenwood to Ismaila Saar. Uh, we have Tills798 asking, Saar versus Rafinha versus Traore. Asa149, should I keep Greenwood or sell him for Rafinha? And finally, for Jota, uh, we have MCR underscore Cams. Keep Jota for one more week. Okay, Sam, so you own Greenwood. So why don't you talk to me about Mason Greenwood? Yeah, I think Greenwood is a hard sell, um, unfortunately. So we've um, they've played together two games right now since Ronaldo came into the team. And you can clearly see it is affecting Greenwood FPL-wise, right? Um, in real life too, a little bit. I guess he was kind of anonymous in the previous game. But he's still, you know, he's still attacking. He's still trying things. But it's just the way we are set up now. Ronaldo always occupies the striker position, you know, in the box. So that kind of limits Greenwood's movement. In the previous games, he will have the space to cut in and, and things like that. Obviously, he still will, you know, get assists here and there, a goal here and there. But with Rashford almost coming back from injury, Sancho um, is slowly uh, getting more and more into the team. This would limit Greenwood's starts. I think it's time to sell for Greenwood. Yeah, it's quite sad to say, but I think uh, the evidence of the performance... I was really happy when Greenwood started against West Ham United, and I thought, okay, so he's starting against West Ham... Uh, this is really a good sign for Greenwood. But he just, he struggled to get into the game. There were chances where they should have passed him, but they passed to Ronaldo instead. And I just worry that that's going to become a trend. Then he comes off, Lingard comes on, Lingard scores. So I think long-term. And United's fixtures are starting to get harder anyway. I'm not sure if you need to get rid this week. Uh, If it's not urgent and you want to save the transfer... I think you could hold one last week only because Villa will be without Axel Twanzebe, who is on loan from United. He's been playing central defence for Villa. So he would have to drop out. Villa will have to adjust the system either to go to a fallback or play, I think, house in central defence. So maybe that uncertainty gives Greenwood you know, some opportunities against Villa this week. Also, they push up really high with their wing backs, so maybe he gets in behind. But like I said, I think... Like, you know, as you put it, long-term, it's, it's, it's probably time to go. Yeah. Of, of course, you know, team-dependent and all that. If you have other fights to put out, do that first. Because Greenwood will probably still start this coming weekend. But he should be on the path or on your shortlist to, to sell. Yeah. And in terms of Jota, I think very short answer to this is this is not the week to sell Jota. Because I own Jota and I feel as frustrated as everybody else who owns Jota. Because, you know, we've seen the chances he's been missing, blanking in the two games that we wanted him to score in. And an amazing miss this week against Palace. You know, six yards uh, in front of the goal, basically, and just smashes it over. But, again, this is it sounds cliche, but he's getting the chances, he's getting the right positions. And if you got Jota in already, you meant to have him for these three fixtures. I think you hold for Brentford. You would expect him to start. I don't think Firmino's going to be rushed back in. Even if he gets, say, 60, 70 minutes, I think it's a decent farewell present from Jota and I wouldn't turn that up, you know, now at this stage. 
I think even when Firmino is back, it will affect Jota's minutes, of course. But I feel that Jota is now first choice over Firmino. I honestly don't know, mate. I mean, I think we felt that before and it hasn't been the case. I honestly don't know. I, I, I'm not sure I could be confident to make that prediction. But I definitely wouldn't be selling this week. I think you, the Brentford fixture, no matter how good Brentford's defensive record has been, it's been against inferior teams, including Arsenal. So I think uh, you definitely have Jota for this week. Agreed, agreed. I mean, like you said, he's getting into the right positions, making the right passes, right? You know, if money could finish, he would probably have a few more assists. But at the same time, if you remember, we kind of went through this last year. You know, we had Jota. I think we both brought in Jota at one period. And he just went on this run of games where his XG was great, his XA was great, but no points were coming. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember painfully. We got him in after a brace, I think, at Arsenal. And then he did the same thing. Yeah. And it was a long run, I think. Like, he just couldn't score. So I don't know if if it's um, just variants, you know, um, underperforming the XG and it's still, it will sort of normalise back. Or is it a trend in the sense that his finishing is just not that good? Uh, he will always underperform his XG. But like you said, I think he's not a buy, definitely. But if you have him, then, you know, hold. He has good fixtures first. There's no reason to, to use a transfer to sell him out now. As frustrating as it may be. Yeah, I think next week is when you get rid because next week is Man City. If you're really going to get rid, that's probably the time. If you have to hold even one more week, he has Watford after that, after the international break. And the good thing about that is, who knows, right? The last international break, we saw all these issues with the Brazilians. Maybe this time they do go and maybe Jota has to play. So I, I, against my better judgment, I'm saying that, you know, I think you can hold for just a little bit longer. But to come back to the question, I think here, which was from Till798, replacements. And Dan Moon asked about this. Is Saar, Rafinha, Traore, Sam? So, I mean, we, we've looked at their stats, right? And the, the tricky thing about comparing stats is, okay, Rafinha is still doing very well. He's always been doing very well for underlying stats since last season. Nothing has changed. He's top for shots uh, in midfielders under 7.5 million. Saar has two shots less than Rafinha, so it's 15 to 13. But Saar's stats are heavily inflated by the Norwich game. So you have to caveat that. But he's playing Leeds and Newcastle next, probably the two best fixtures in the league. You've got Adama Troyore, who any owner will tell you they're so angry after what happened this week and how many chances he's had, still hasn't returned. Then you've got the cheaper ones like Conor Gallagher and Demare Gray. Sam, between all these guys, who would you go for this week? Hmm. I would go for Saar, I think, this week, at least in the short term, right? Saar is up against Newcastle. He will be playing against um, Matt Ritchie, who we have seen in these first few games, or actually for a long time we have known. He's always been a winger, not good defensively. He pushes up a lot, but then that leaves a lot of space behind him, which Saar can exploit. So I will go for Saar, I think. On Rafinha, it's a bit tricky, right? Because he's kind of been doing well stats-wise. If you watch the game, he's really involved. But at the same time, returns haven't really been coming. I would say even the goal this weekend was kind of lucky, right? Um, almost turned into an assist, but somehow it went in. I don't know if, if any of you... If any of you haven't seen the goal, go back on YouTube, watch it. It wasn't his easiest chance of the game. Yeah, it, it, I don't think it was even a shot, right? It was actually a cross. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
who dummy did? Rodrigo uh, Rodrigo dummy yeah. did, right? But it could have easily just went out. So kind of lucky in that sense. Of course, it's good fixture, so I wouldn't sell right now. But if you ask me who to bring in this week, my number one target would be Sa. I think. Is it? Okay, so the, the nice thing about Sa is the next two fixtures, he plays Newcastle and Leeds. And if you look at uh, expected goals conceded, Newcastle and Leeds are uh, second bottom and bottom. Norwich were second bottom, sorry, uh, Leeds would be third bottom and Newcastle is bottom. So, I mean, these are the three objectively worst defences so far this season, at least based on who they've played. I really like the Matt Ritchie shout because Rafinha was playing on that side against Matt Ritchie and he had so much space. And not even joking. I mean, he he really was just running f- free. And Ismail Asar could take advantage of that. But is this a case of chasing points? Because I see the other counterpoint, everybody's saying, nobody wanted Sa until last week, but now he scored against Norwich, so now you all want him. Is it a case of you're chasing lost points? That's not true, though. At least not for us, I think. We have been keeping an eye on Sa, right? Yeah, I, I have. I, you, I, mean, I, have. <laughs> I, I think we both have because we, we remember him from his first season in the Premier League and we were so impressed, right? And yeah, we and he did really it. well. He did really well last year too in the Championship. So, I mean, he scored in the first game week against Villa, scored last week against Norwich. In between, he had some tough fixtures, right? Brighton, who are doing really well. Then Spurs, who is technically a better team. And then Wolves, who are strong defensively, except for the last week when everyone got them. But yeah, so I think I do think Sa is good. I don't think it's point chasing, especially with a good matchup. He is does seem like the main... Um, Attacking output, right, for Watford. A lot of things grow through him. I don't think it's point chasing. And decent fixtures, you know, coming up. Of course, there's Liverpool after those two nice fixtures, but you can always bench him. He's only six, about six mil, six point. What's he? 6.1? 6.1 now. Although, yeah. I think you'll remember this, Sam. His his starring performance, the one that really introduced us, was against Liverpool, you know, yeah, two seasons yeah. ago. Yeah, so you can even not bench him. It's possible. And then Everton, Southampton, after that, Arsenal. Like I said, I mean, the good thing about cheap options is that you can bench them if you want to. Yeah, and you, your expectations are fairly low from a 6.1 million asset. He's got the two best fixtures in the league of anyone right now. After that, okay, Liverpool's hard. Everton, you just saw, conceded three goals against Villa. And goals that also did come down the right flank. If you saw Matty Cash's goal, did come down the right flank. So maybe there's that option again. Southampton, okay, maybe a little harder. Arsenal, with all due respect, and I do own Ben White, but I will tell you that we were probably fortunate to get the clean sheet against Burnley. I would say that we didn't look as solid as I would have liked us to be. So, and by game week 11, that's probably the lifespan of a budget asset. I think you'd be okay to sell then when the fixtures get harder. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So yeah, Sal will be my choice. I don't know about Rafinha, you know, I'm kind of torn. More on, not his individual ability, but on the team. Leeds just don't seem to be doing well. So despite the good fixtures, do you want to buy, you know, into someone? I mean, if he didn't score that goal, right? That sort of accidental goal. I don't think people will be as hot on him as they are right now. It's really hard to read Leeds because I watched that game. And in the first 20 minutes, I thought Rafinha was going to score a hat-trick. Like, he had so much space, so many chances. There's one chance towards the end of the half where he just gets the ball. He's clear. He takes, like, 10, 20 seconds just to sort of get his shot off. By the time he gets it off, there are five people blocking it. 
I don't know what it is about Leeds. Also, the fact Rafinha actually did pick up a knock, right? He came off early. So, obviously, this is immaterial. If he's injured and we get news, Bielsa's always honest in press conferences. If he's out, this is a perfect, much easier question to answer. You can just avoid. If it's 50-50 or so, you know, you, you wouldn't want him. I don't know about Leeds. I really don't know. I have Bamford, but I wasn't... I didn't see the level of performance that I hoped for against Newcastle. And I don't know whether that's purely down to the fact that they just have so many injuries that they're losing it. Is it second season syndrome? I'll be honest, I don't know. And maybe the fact that I don't know means you should probably not go for them right now. Yeah, yeah. there is a lot of uncertainty with Leeds. The last option mentioned was uh, Adama Traore. I think that's a big no for me. The Wolves just don't seem to be clicking attacking-wise. You know, they're creating the chances and everything. But it's just not coming off. And to me, there are better options to have at that price range. So I wouldn't go for Adama right now. They just didn't look good against Brentford. And I mean, this is from The Athletic, but I think it's a very accurate description of, of the Wolves' performance. It is hard to find any other attacking plan in the second half other than to A, get more forwards on the pitch. They subbed off all their wingbacks for forwards. B, give the ball to Triori. C, hope he beats the fullback, which he did. And then D, pray he delivers a cross that actually picks someone out, which he didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's his problem, right? If he can make better crosses or better final pass decisions, right? Whether it is to, to make a true ball or pass or square it or whatever. But if he can just master that, he will be such a good player. Because every time you watch him, he's just dribbling past anyone, right? Like no one can stop him. He always ends up you know, behind the defensive line, but he just can't make that right final pass. I don't know. I don't know what it is about him, right? It, it, he's so electric to watch, but it's just, it's not happening for Wolves at the moment right now. And their only goal so far that they have scored was Huang's goal, which he bundled in from, you know, in front of the goal. It's an open goal, basically. So, no, again, I think we can't argue against these options. The budget ones, just to come down, Conor Gallagher and Demare Gray. Demare Gray's fixtures are starting to get harder. And they don't have DCL and Rondon. So although I own Gray, and I think he's still great for they this week. They have Rondon. They don't have DCL oh, and Richarlison. Correct. They don't Yeah, they don't have DCL and Richarlison. Unlikely to return this week. Rondon looked a bit off the pace against Villa. Gray had to do a lot of the work himself. I like the fact that Gray is sort of the creative hub of this team, which makes no sense. right? He's just joined and everybody's looking towards him to do everything. I think Norwich is a good fixture. Gray is the kind of person, if you are committed to a wild card, I think is okay. But... Probably between Gray and Saar this week, you have to have Saar ahead of him, I think. And also, if you come down, Conor Gallagher, I love, but I think we've discussed it before. This set of fixtures, probably not the best. I think game week 8, game week 9 is when I want to get him in. Yeah. He did really well, though, against Liverpool, I would say. He looks uh, good. Yeah. He, he is a quality player and will definitely get you points over the course of the season. He has taken 17 out of... 19 set pieces so far for Crystal Palace, which I think is amazing for what a 5.6 has it. Yeah, and not only even set piece, I mean, even in open play, right? He's just always involved, kind of playing really advanced number 10, right? Times it looked like there were times it looked like he was a second striker, although towards the end of the game, they kind of pushed him back as they got more options up front uh, to chase again. But yeah, I like Gallagher, I do. But if you're talking about short term, I think Gray. If you're talking about next fixture. Yeah. Gray Norwich. or one of the other Everton players, you know. Yeah, Norwich being as bad as they are. Uh, we have a question here from Aisha. 
also still on budget mids, right? So are Wolves players still worth it? Maybe Sammy can address that. But also, thoughts on Kovacic, who somehow has another assist this week. <laughs> Kova is not nailed, right? So I think that's just a big no. None of the Chelsea players seem to be nailed except for, for Lukaku and Rudiger, right? Keeper got benched, but that was through an injury. Now, Kova has played every game, but that includes um, 45 minutes against Liverpool. Um, Saul, although he played really badly, eventually will come in. So, I don't know. What do you think? He, Kova. I mean... Kova's not going to keep this up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> to the casuals, he looked good, right? Because, you know, three assists, one goal for five mid. It's crazy, but definitely not sustainable, I think. No, I mean, okay, so the difference between somebody like Kovacic versus someone like Gray is that Kovacic is not even playing that high up the pitch. His assists are, to be very fair, are flukes, okay? This assist this week was what? He passes to Kante, Kante shoots, he hits somebody else and goes in. Like, that. that's like Matic's uh, assist, assist for United's goal, for Lingard's goal. That's the kind of yeah, thing that's yeah. just not sustainable. Yeah, agreed. So I think you want to avoid Kova. Marcus Alonso, Sam. How how were you were you impressed with him or not? Because I, I, he had a shot cleared off the line. He was taking the corners. He took ten corners this week. He had an assist. It's like the Marcus Alonso of old. Do do you just ignore Ben Chilwell? Is it time to just get Marcus Alonso? Do you know what this feels like to me? I'm getting James Justin vibes. <laughs> do you remember last season? For those of you who are new, me and Siva were both. Uh, you know, Justin's going to lose his place. Everyone had Justin except both of us and we just kept falling further and further back, right? Because Justin just kept returning points and he never lost his place. Feel like the same could be happening here. Um, Alonso's just been playing so well. The system suits him, right? He's always played well when he's a back um, five. So, will Tewell even come back? I don't know. I think, personally, I think if I'm on a wildcard or something, I'll just go for it. And then if Chilwa comes back, Chilwa has dropped so far um, in terms of price, right? I think it's 5.6 now. So, you know, if he really loses his place, it's an easy switch off, you know? Yeah, I agree. I am kind of on board the Marcus Alonso train right now. But the caveat here is that you must be able to stomach it if he gets benched, if he gets dropped for Chiva, because that could happen at any time without warning, right? It could happen this week. Like, if you bring him in this week, it could just happen this week. So that's the caveat there. Um, so I guess it's up to your play style. If you want to be safe, go for Rudiger. He seems nil. Um, if you're for risk, I mean, it's really hard to predict. Aside from Rudiger, everyone else has been so unpredictable. We all thought Rhys James was going to start this weekend. He's benched for Aspie. When Rhys James was red-cutter, we all thought Aspie would play and then Aspie get benched. Um, no one knows, really. So there is, of course, risk involved. But if you are brave and, you know, fortune favours the ball, Alonso might be the way to go. I just think with Alonso, the upside, right? If you just watch him this week, 10 corners, which is crazy. He started taking all the corners on both sides of the flanks because once Mount went off, they didn't have anybody to take... The, the, the corners, no natural right footer. So Alonso started taking them with his left foot and that's where the goal came from, from an outswinger. And I'd read about this in The Athletic that Chelsea don't normally do outswinging corners. So usually if it's on one side of the pitch, they like to have in-swingers. 
but because they didn't have any choice, went with the outswinger and they got a goal from it. And Tuchel is the kind of crazy person who will sit and look at each and every detail. He'll see that, oh, that's something we can use. And I think that's where Marcus Alonso will come in. He was basically playing as a second striker. And at 5.8... As you do. As, as Marcus Alonso always does, right? And the best thing is now you have budget defenders who actually play. You have Shane Duffy at 4.2. Who? Can I shout out to myself, Sam? I told you Shane Duffy, right? Assist this week. Okay? Uh, all those Veltman owners will be waiting for a very long time to see any returns. Tina Livromento. And clean sheet this week against Man City. Of all people. He's 4.2. So you've got these guys who could come in. I I do think Marcus Lewis is definitely worth the risk. If you're not getting him in this week, definitely I would look at him at Southampton. Their fixtures from Southampton onwards are just amazing. Yeah, but I'm just going to remind you, Siva. I'm pretty sure you said the exact same thing last year. And then Alonso got benched after that. Don't know if you remember. You said something like the upside... It's worth the risk because the point ceiling is so high and then he got benched the next game and lost his place to Shiloh forever. So I'll just remind you of that and remind our listeners as well. If you're going to play the Alonso game, just there is a chance of getting burned. It's like Russian roulette, right? Okay, fair. And and to be fair, he could get benched for the one game you want him. The same way that Ferran Torres owners will tell you. I just think with defenders... It, the risk feels it feels less painful because defenders you have other defenders to come on the gaps in the ceilings uh, it shouldn't be as big as whereas you lose one of your attackers your sub attacker is usually quite bad true but i would say the thing about wing backs or full backs is they tend to be subbed off um seems more likely because it's just the role they play is so intense right compared to center backs so Alonso might not start but then come on in the last 10 minutes or something like that. And that will be the frustrating part. You know, if he doesn't play the whole game, you might be okay. Your, your sub going to come in. It's when they come in the last 10 minutes and Chelsea gets a clean sheet but they don't get one because they only played 10. That is when you start to feel, you know, really terrible about, about these assets. You're not helping, Sam. Yeah, I mean... What I'm saying is that he might go well but it is a big risk. If you're okay with taking the risk, then go for it. Okay, I think we'll leave it there, right? So, Wolves players, I really address Adama, not really. Are we talking about strictly mids or are we going to extend it to defenders? Extend it because everybody seems very surprised by the Wolves result. So, Sam, you own Semedo, I believe. So, why not you? Yeah, stop I by. do. Some regret there, right? <laughs> but it's hindsight regret. So, I went for Semedo over Mas- Marcel, Marcal. Yep. Yeah, um, because. I watched back his individual highlights in the previous game. It was good. But they played really badly against Brentford. So I know people are scared, but I think if you bought them, you bought them for the whole fixture run, right? So you just keep them. They're going to play Southampton next, then Newcastle, Villa, Leeds. I think you can keep and see. If they continue to play bad in the next two games, then maybe, you know, exit. Just cut your losses and move on despite them still having good fixtures. Agreed. And I think the fact, if you own Semedo, I think you feel a little better because Markal giving away that penalty for Tony was was ridiculous. And I can't imagine that helps his chances of starting. I have to say, Brentford do play well. They played really well that game. They do, they do. And uh, Brian and Buemo, who we talked about, I think, in gaming one, 5.5 million mid, playing up top with Tony, scored a tap-in. When Brentford's fixtures get better, which is around gaming 10, I definitely want him in. Yeah, yeah. 
OP 5.5, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, and which is why we've been saying consistently, right? Everybody who is worried about budget mids and where do you go from them, there are options, you just got to look for them. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Goalkeepers, we had a quick question here from Joseph Sam. Best budget, 4.5, 4.6. Goalkeeper replacement for Barkman. Seems he's likely to be rotated or Foster. Now, my first impression was that Barkman was simply just benched because of an injury. But I, from what I read, people seem to be concerned that he actually may lose the place because of the mistakes he had made in the previous games. So Sam, you own Barkman. How do you I feel do, about unfortunately. this? <laughs> I, I think it was an injury, right? He was spotted with, um, with a cast around his leg or something like that. Yep. A brace, a brace around his leg. So it was an injury. I don't know if he will lose his place to Foster because Foster didn't exactly do well either, right? No. So, but if you want to, to switch, which I think is okay, even if he didn't lose his place, it, they're just not doing well, Watford. Um, so I think it's okay to get off. Now, I did a bit of research for this, right? I shortlisted three defended, um, goalkeepers. So the first one I want to talk about is actually Brentford's keeper, David Raya. Ra- I hope I'm pronouncing all these names right. But yeah, he, I mean, Brentford themselves are doing well, right? They've already kept cle- three clean sheets in five games. They only consider against Villa and Brighton uh, and just one goal each. So they've only considered two goals, three clean sheets. They're actually um, second in the league for expected goals considered. Which is really crazy, right? Only behind City, above Chelsea and Liverpool, in fact. So, I think defensively, they've done way better than we expected them to. You say easy fixtures, but even then, I mean, Brighton have been doing well. Only scored one, Villa, Crystal Palace, Arsenal and Wolves. I think long-term, he may be the standout um keeper at this range. Their issue now is that their next few fixtures are horrible. Right? They're going to play Liverpool next, then West Ham, then Chelsea, then Leicester before it finally gets better. So short, uh, I wouldn't get him in this next few weeks, but I think if you're playing to wildcard later on, he's a solid option to have. If you're going to wildcard, say, you know, around game week 10 or something like that. So just getting Brentford out of the way first, because I just wanted to shout out their incredible... Um, Expected goals considered stats. Um, so getting them out of the way, I would go for either what's his name? <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember. Newcastle keeper who just came back. Carl Dalo? Yeah. Okay, I'm interested. In the price range, there's not many in the 4.5 price range, right? And I'm not gonna talk about Sanchez because everyone has him already. Dalo came back, played his first game. Uh, Woodman has been terrible in the past few games that he's been playing. Dalo came back, considered one goal, but had nine saves, three bonus points, so ended up with eight points. When's the last time you saw a keeper with eight points without a clean sheet? And without a penalty save? Uh, that's fair. I mean, I don't understand how he got eight points in a 1-1 draw. Yeah, saves. Um, Dalo has historically always do well with saves. I think um, he may be a good option to have. Newcastle have kind of good fixtures coming up too. So if you want to take a risk, um, I think Dalo is. <laughs> if you want to take a risk, I just want to shout him out. The other keeper I think uh, I want to talk about is Arsenal's keeper, 
Now, this one I gotta ask you, man. Do you think that he's gonna keep his place, Ramsdale? Okay, so last week when we talked about it, he'd only played one game, so I wasn't really sure. Now he's played two. I think it's his it's his shirt to lose because he's had two good games. Uh, he's looked solid. Leno was already looking shaky before this, so I mean I don't have a lot of respect for Arteta, but I think he's not going to change this for the sake of changing it. I I know there were reports saying that he'd give two games and then get Leno back in, but that just doesn't make sense, right? If you've got a keeper who's doing well, why change it up? And just watching the way Ramsdale commanded his box looked good. Even on that close call on the penalty, he still got the ball, which was then overturned. There's a part in the game where Kieran Tierney's on the floor and Ramsdale just goes over. I think Brownhill's trying to pull Tierney off the floor and just Ramsdale just gets in his face and just defends Tierney. And I think all those little details just sort of will add up to the fact that Ateta, you know, you spend 30 mil on a keeper, why would you send him back to the bench? It just doesn't make sense to me. I agree. I think, why would you bench a keeper who played so well, you know? to kept two clean sheets, your only two clean sheets. Before that, you were doing so bad. Leno was making so many mistakes. I think Leno has already lost his shirt. Like you said, you spent so much on the keeper. Definitely the the succession plan was already there, right? To face Leno out. And I think um, Ramsdale did really well. So it could have been accelerated. I think, I personally think Ramsdale is probably Arsenal's number one keeper now. So... I would go for Ramsdale, I think, if you're looking for 4.5 keepers. Um, but yeah, those are my three options. Of course, um, this is... I'm purposely not mentioning Sanchez because that's boring. Everyone has Sanchez. So if you want to be boring, you want to play it safe, then go for Sanchez if you're going to replace Buckman. If not, and you want to take a risk, I think, um, yeah, Ramsdale, if you want to take a bigger risk than Dalo. I mean, if I was wildcarding now, I would go back and take Ramsdale. I took... Sanchez at the time because Ramsdale hadn't even played a game at that point but right now I think I'd go Ramsdale simply because you look at his stats this week he only made four saves but he got nine points because he cleans up the bonus because Arsenal's whole thing is passing back to the keeper when you have that kind of system he will get into the bonus whereas you compare that to Brighton Sanchez is never getting a bonus point I don't think ever this season he's he's, he's just twos and sixes and those can add up at the end of the season. Another keeper you can consider is McCarthy for Southampton, who I feel have been really um have really gone under the radar this season. I think it's because of last season, right? Everyone remember almost everyone had McCarthy. Didn't work well for everyone because Southampton was so bad last year. They've kept two clean sheets in a row against West Ham and against City. They seem more solid defensively now. And they have pretty good run of fixtures coming up, except for a few rates, like sprinkled in between. So I think McCarthy is actually a good option that's really under the radar now. Okay, fair. I think we've spoken enough about keepers, Sam. Shall we get into captaincy? Hey, let's go for it. Okay, so this is finally a proper debate, right? Because the last few weeks, we've had pretty template captains, and all the template captains have, for the most part, returned. I think the exception being Salah against Burnley. Otherwise, the template has sort of worked. This week, we finally have some debate. You've got Salah at Brentford. You've got Ronaldo at home to Villa. You've got Antonio against Leeds with all of their defensive issues. And then you even have, you know, less, on a lesser point, the Everton lads against Norwich, as an example. You've got Salah going to Newcastle. So, Sam, who, who wins captaincy this week for you? Is it Salah or Ronaldo between the premiums? 
I think if you have Ronaldo, it has to be Ronaldo. Home advantage has been a big factor this year. Salah's away against Brentford. Ronaldo's at home against Villa. So I think um, Lukaku is against City at home, right? So even though it's at home, but it's City. So that takes him out. Antonio, of course, against Leeds can do well, but that's away. I would just bank on a home fixture whenever I can this year. Not saying that the guys won't haul, but I think it's a safer pick to go for someone who's playing at home. So I would go Ronaldo if I had him. And it actually worries me, I think, because I think a lot of people might go for it too, and not having Ronaldo may seriously help me this week. I've flipped between this the whole of today, and I've been looking at it, and we mentioned at the start of the show, Brentford's defensive statistics aren't good, but I do feel a lot of that has to do with the fact that the quality of opposition they played. I'm not saying they're bad, but I don't... Um, sorry, just to add, I mean, no matter how good you are when you're against Liverpool, that's a totally different story, right? They are so good attacking-wise. Exactly, right? So Liverpool have the most shots of any team in the league. They have 125 shots. The next is City, I think, on 100. So Liverpool attack is next level. But with that comes a catch. Liverpool split the points. You have Salah, you got Mane, you got Jota, maybe even Firmino's back. With United, Ronaldo is doing all of the attack. You know, he's hogging all the shots. He's hogging all the shots in the box. He's the focal point. So that's, you know, his benefit. And like you say, it's home advantage, which I'm reluctant to bet against. Also, I can tell you now, people don't like to hear this, but he is the popular captain. I've seen every poll that's been conducted this week and he's winning all of them by some margin. So when it's 50-50 and the polls are kind of close, goal scorer odds, he's higher than Salah. Not by much, but just above. I think it's hard for me to back against that. And I don't really think at this stage of the season, I want to sort of take that gamble and then lose out if he scores a hat-trick and... Salah somehow scores one goal, which is possible. And as we saw last week, Ronaldo should have had at least, what, two penalties, I think, to be fair. And maybe this week, the refs are under pressure to give it to him. Because last week, for whatever reason, they just weren't in the mood to give it to him. Yep, I agree. So, you said debate, but it's not really a debate. (laughs) We both agreed on Ronaldo, so, yeah. I'm sorry, listeners. I think, though, second choice after Ronaldo will be Salah, right? Uh, third choice, Antonio. Although I think Antonio can really do well against Leeds. Leeds are bad, really bad defensively. Uh, Ailing got a knock, so if he is out too, then who are they even going to play there? I'm not even sure. I honestly don't know. And that's a bad... Okay, so let me ask you a question, Sam. Let's try and make it a debate, right? Because a lot of people want a captain Antonio because of Leeds' defensive issues, right? Don't have first-choice centre-back. Don't have second-choice centre-back. Don't even have the, the third-choice centre-back who's actually a right-back. So they have defensive issues. And you've got Antonio who ought to have been rested since the Europa League fixture, which was last week. So why aren't we considering Antonio over Ronaldo? For me, it's just a home fixture, right? This isn't, I think, um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think it's something like 60% or something like that, 60 plus percent of halls were all at home um, so far this year. So I think, I mean, just just playing the stats, the probability and things like that, I think the home fixture to target is the way to go. But like I said, I think Antonio can do well. Salah, as I mentioned last week, is the most consistent uh, elite striker across all of their top European leagues. So definitely you can still back him to do well. You can, I think he's still captainable, but... 
to me, if you have Ronaldo at home on form, then there's nothing much you can ask for. All right. I don't think we can argue much more. Sorry, listener. We, we, we tried to have a debate today, but it's just one of those weird weeks where we've sort of agreed on most things. I'm sure that won't continue next week. If I don't have Ronaldo, then I'm, I have to debate between Salah and Antonio. All right. Well, so you'll see our transfers before we make them and you know, you'll see whether Sam has Antonio or not. Just to announce, we are now partnered with Fantasy Football Hub uh, because our wives told us if we don't you know, try and make some money, they'll stop us from doing the pod. But you don't have to pay for the pod. Nothing changes. It's just that if you ever want to sign up for Hub and all the stats that we've talked about today and all the other stuff they have, we have a code. It's on our Twitter. Use that. But in the meantime, Sam, uh, what should get we do? Get those green arrows. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's get some green arrows. See you all next week, guys. I'm surprised you're caving in on Ronaldo now. Because I think a lot of people who don't have Ronaldo have sort of just committed to accepting That's some cost fallacy. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's for my mental health, man. I want to be able to enjoy watching United games and I can't. I just seriously can't. I was watching the game. Every time Ronaldo looked to score, I didn't want him to score. And it's not good as a United fan, you know? The fact is that he's the main guy. We are creating all these chances for him. He could have easily came in a hat-trick that game. Yeah, he really should. That's all point towards Ronaldo being a good asset. I don't know if it's too late to jump in now because the fixtures are supposed to turn. But like we discussed earlier, it's not that bad, actually. Aside from the Liverpool game and maybe the City game, I think all of it are scorable fixtures.